This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. More workers went on strike last year than any time since 1986, more than 20 years ago. Something is changing in America. And for that, we turn to Bryce Covert. She writes about the economy for the nation in the New York Times op-ed page. She's also written for the Washington Post, New York Magazine, New Republic, and others. She's been on all the TV news shows. Bryce Covert, welcome back. Thanks for having me back on. Well, this year has seen some memorable strikes. Remind us about the highlights. Sure. Well, the year kicked off with some high-profile strikes. Many teachers in California um, and L.A. and Oakland and a couple other smaller cities went on strike. They were sort of continuing the wave of teacher strikes that we saw last year in a bunch of red states, uh, making similar demands for better pay and also better resources in the classroom. And then most recently, listeners will probably remember that there was a massive strike at General Motors. Uh, 46,000 workers uh, went on the picket line demanding better pay and also a rollback of some of the austerity that had been implemented at their company in the wake of the recession. Uh, And then there's just been a number of other strikes throughout the year in between. We've seen nurses go on strike, grocery store employees, even Uber drivers who are often now fighting just to be recognized as employees of Uber, uh, they refused to work earlier this year as well. So we have just seen a whole number of different strikes in different parts of the economy from different kinds of workers this year. Well, 2019 is not yet over, so we do not have complete strike statistics for this year. But what do we know about last year? Last year represented a huge spike in in a number of workers who went in on strike and as well as just the number of major strikes that happened throughout the year. 485,200 workers went on strike last year. That's more than any time since 1986. So we just have not seen that kind of activity in decades. Uh, there were 20 major strikes, like I said. That was the most since before the recession. And we really saw a huge drop in in strike activity right after this recession started. A lot of workers felt insecure about their jobs and not like they were in a place of power to make demands, and we just sort of saw that fall off. So that's what happened last year, we know, because that's the statistics we got, and I would expect that next year when we get the statistics on this year, we're going to see something very similar continuing, given that we've seen all this strike activity this year. Well, America used to be a place with a lot of strikes. When exactly what was that? Well, really throughout most of our history, uh, for the past, I would say, half century leading up to the 1980s, we saw a lot of regular strike activity. You regularly saw hundreds of workers going on strike to demand better pay, better treatment from their bosses. But once you get to 1980, those numbers just fall off a cliff. And you can blame lots of different factors. I think there was a a huge crackdown on unions and worker organizing in that era, starting with Reagan and his crackdown on lots of different union activity. And we haven't really recovered since. We're still not seeing the kind of strike activity we saw in the 1950s. But like I said, this year and last have seen a bit of a recurrence. It seems like American workers are kind of going back to those roots. Of course, there are really big differences among the strikes that you've talked about. The teacher strikes, which were so magnificent, are public sector unions. You know, usually teacher strikes are are portrayed by the cities 
as a strikes against the parents and the families, but that's not the way that L.A. teachers won their strike. Yes, and I would say the same thing happened when Chicago teachers went on strike more recently. And with the teacher strikes that we saw last year, it's been interesting to see the shift, not only in the way the teachers are framing their issues, but I think more importantly in the way that they're being received by the media and by the country at large. Usually teacher strikes are kind of portrayed as, you know, aggrieved teachers putting their own self-interest ahead of their students and, right. and hurting education. Instead, these teachers are saying, look, we are going on strike because you're not giving us the resources we need to best serve our students. And in fact, they've done a really amazing job, I think, at reaching out to students, at reaching out to parents and getting the community behind them so that it's not an us versus them, but the entire community making a demand for better money spent on education, not just on teacher salaries, which they are demanding they be paid more. They are not generally in this country paid very much, but also putting things like nurses and support staff into their classrooms and making sure their children have what they need to get a world-class education. It's a really interesting approach, and I think it really has worked, and the media has really treated these strikes differently than they used to. I think there's a lot of support behind them. Well, we record our show in L.A., and, of course, L.A. is a very big Democratic town, big liberal town, very powerful county federation of labor. But there were also amazing teacher strikes in Kentucky, in Oklahoma, in West Virginia, places that we don't think of as where liberals and labor are strong. How did that happen? That was really remarkable. This was most of the strikes that happened last year. And what's particularly remarkable, what happened in those states you just mentioned, is that the teachers there don't necessarily have even the right to go on strike. They're not supposed to legally go on strike, but their superintendents got behind them and closed schools in most cases so that they could walk off the job and go protest at the Capitol. Um, but it was a very risky move. A lot a lot of the strikes were really a grassroots effort among the teachers themselves on Facebook groups and over text messages. They led the way saying enough is enough. We are fed up. We need more resources. I think very much sparked by the fact that we are still experiencing pretty deep austerity at the state level when it comes to education. It really has not recovered since the re since the recession ended. And it's been a long time since the, re the recession ended. And I think teachers are saying, okay, we are now due more than we've been getting. We've been talking about the public sector strikes. The auto workers provided fascinating contrast. We've always thought in their industry, Workers' organizing has been crippled by sending factories to Mexico and, and getting parts from other third world countries. They've always been vulnerable to the threat that if they go on strike, the factories will just leave. How were they able to pull off a strike this year? Well, one of the demands they were making was to put more investment in jobs in the U.S. You know, General Motors, they wanted to demand that they not shutter factories that are located here and move them abroad. So they built that into the demands they had. I also think, too, that they are similarly fed up. You know, auto workers in particular swallowed a lot of rollbacks of their benefits and their pay and accepted things that they would not necessarily have before the recession when things got really tough for the three big automakers. And now they're saying, look, 
times are good now. The economy is healthy. More importantly, profits are healthy at the big automakers. We want to share some of that pie and we want to roll back all those things that we were forced to swallow to get through really tough times. They didn't get all of their demands, but I think that they were starting to push on this idea that they should just make do with the status quo. And the people who study strikes have told us for decades that the poorest workers, the part-time workers, the temporary workers are the least likely to strike. They have the fewest resources to organize. But you've said right now we've seen actions in the last two years by fast food workers, by Uber workers. How has that worked out? That has also been really interesting, and it's more of an alternative model. It's less of the traditional, you know, full-time employees who are part of a union going on strike as part of that union's activities. This is being done often outside of unions. Uber drivers are not necessarily classified as employees at all of Uber. So they are banding together and trying to use their power in numbers to bring attention to the issues and to try to force change there at the apps that they work for or the places that they work without that normal structure. And I think it's been pretty effective. I mean, the Fight for 15, which is the movement organizing fast food workers, has pushed the issue of a $15 minimum wage so far that it's reality in many places across the country. We've seen countless minimum wage increases instituted after they started organizing. I think they've really had a big influence. Um, It's yet to be seen, I think, what the influence of Uber driver organizing is going to have. It's pretty new, Um, but they have been pushing their issues just as well, both legislatively and also trying to get the ear of the public. And it'll be interesting to see if they can continue on. One last thing. We haven't mentioned Donald Trump yet. Well, of course, his um, the people he has put in charge of the Department of Labor and the National Rela- Labor Relations uh, Board, which both oversee a lot of these issues, strikes, labor conditions, um, are not worker-friendly, are much more corporate-friendly. And um, the NLRB in particular has been doing a lot of things to make it harder to organize, to make it harder to go on strike. So that's definitely a countervailing force. Um, But it's interesting, for example, today, Harvard students, grad students are on strike, even though the NLRB has been trying to say that they can't unionize and they can't strike. You see these students out there doing it anyway. So, yes, it makes it harder. um, But I think workers are so fed up in this country that they are pushing past those barriers and making their voices heard anyway. Bryce Covert wrote about strikes for the nation.com. Thank you, Bryce. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. 